Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Daniel, of course, was a great man of God, and uh, we are familiar with him. Many of us, if uh, we grew up in church, we're familiar with the story of Daniel and the lion's den, and uh, we know of that story. And of course, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that fiery furnace was also in the book of Daniel. Uh, But Daniel was a great man of God. He was a great hero of the faith and a wonderful example to us. Uh, Daniel, though, lived uh, quite... Quite a different life. He, of course, grew up in the nation of Israel, but when he was a young man, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, had come and conquered his country. He had conquered his nation. He had taken over, and uh, as the king just decided to do what he wanted to do, and one of the things that he wanted to do was he wanted to take all of the best and the brightest, the smartest, the most intellectual of the nation of Israel and bring them back to Babylon to train them in the ways of Babylon to further his kingdom. And so Daniel was one of those, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, actually Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, their original names, their real names, if you will, uh, were taken and uh, they were in Babylon. And uh, Daniel, as a young man, far away from his home, living in a wicked society, living amongst uh, peers uh, who uh, just despised their God. And they say, oh, you serve that God? Well, why would your God allow your country to be conquered by this foreign land? I'm sure he heard a lot of that from the people around him. But being in Babylon, Daniel decided to live for the Lord. In Daniel chapter 1, verse number 6, it says, Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And I believe that Daniel, uh, being a man, a young man who had decided to live for the Lord, and deciding that he was not going to break the law of God, no matter where he was, no matter what everybody else was doing, no matter what pressure was placed upon him, that he was going to live for the Lord. And I believe that the Lord rewarded him for deciding to do so. We see there that uh, Daniel was kind of one of the favored of kind of the rulers over that group of people, if you will, the supervisors over the interns. Uh, And it says that God had brought Daniel into favor. Why is it that Daniel was favored there at that time by those people? It's because God did something for Daniel. And I believe that it's no coincidence. I believe it's because he decided to live for the Lord. And he did other things on top of that. Daniel chapter 1 verse 17 says, And as for these four children, the four men that we just mentioned, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. In verse 19 it says, And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. Out of all of the people that were brought into this program, the top four students, if you will, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
In verse 20 it says, And in all matters of wisdom and, and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologer, astrologers that were in all his realm. Not only were they better than their peers, if you want to put it this way, they were better than their professors. They were better than the people that were already entrusted to give advice to the king. And they were given special uh, knowledge and understanding. Daniel, of course, had the ability to interpret dreams. And God gave to him these things. He was obviously a man who was close to the Lord. He was a man who had drawn near to the Lord. I'm sure it happened when he was a young child. He had started when he was a young child and then growing up through his uh, adolescence, through his teen years, that when he was taken away, he was already close to the Lord. That's why it's important for us to have these children's classes and for us to have a strong youth group because I believe that many of the men and women who will be strong leaders in the future, who will be able to be the Daniels of our next generation, are people who are learning to draw close to the Lord right now, even as they're only 5 years old, 8 years old, 10 years old, 12, 15 years old. I believe that it's important for us to teach to them, to train them, to show them what it means to draw near to the Lord. And Daniel, obviously growing up, was near to the Lord. And I believe that one of the reasons why he was so close to the Lord and why he was given so much was because he was a man of prayer. In Daniel chapter 6, verse number 10, the situation is basically Daniel has been elevated in the future now to the top ruler of the nation, obviously one step below the king. And of course, everybody is jealous of this. They wanted to find some way to take him down. And the way that they were going to take him down was for the next 30 days, nobody can pray to anybody but to the king. Verse 10, though, says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, Now the bill is not just sitting in front of the king, it has been signed by the king, put into law. He went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. This was his habit. He didn't just start doing it when he was in trouble. He had been doing this all along, three times a day, praying to the Lord. Verse 11, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. I believe it's no coincidence that Daniel was a great man of God, that Daniel was obviously close to the Lord, and that he was also a man of prayer. If we are going to draw close to the Lord, if we are going to draw near to the Lord, we must pray to Him. We must be men and women of prayer. We must go to the Lord in our private closets and get a hold of the Lord and speak to the Lord and get a hold of the throne and boldly come before the Lord making requests to Him. We need to be praying people if we are going to be a people that are close to the Lord. And I see that there are three keys to drawing near to God in prayer. Number one, we need to pray according to to the scriptures. Verse number two says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years, whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. You know there's a book in the Bible, Jeremiah. He wrote this book. And Daniel had this book. He had a copy of this book. He read in this book 
what it had said that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Basically what had happened, Jeremiah said, the people of Israel, you have sinned, you have left your God, you have loved your idols, you have loved your ways, and because of that, I will bring judgment upon you for 70 years. You will be gone in the nation of Babylon for 70 years. At the end of 70 years, though, I will bring you back. And Daniel, having a copy of this, reading this word, knew that this was now 70 years. He was keeping track. That's why it says that according to the number of the books, he was keeping track of the time that had passed. And now he's there. He says, it's been 70 years. And at this time, then he prays. When we look back in Jeremiah chapter 29, if you have your Bibles, you can turn back there, holding your finger in Daniel, of course. It says there in verse number 10, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. Daniel prayed because he was familiar with the word of God. He knew what the word of God had said. And if we are going to pray and draw close to the Lord, then we need to pray according to the scripture because God's word says when. He tells us when to pray in the first year of Daniel, uh, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. He saw what the word of God had said, and he said, there's no point in me praying before this because we're not leaving Babylon until 70 years has passed. So I could pray for this, but I know exactly what God is going to say. God is going to say, not yet. It's only been 40 years. Not yet. It's only been 50 years. Not yet. It's only been 60 years. When it becomes that 70 years and he says, all right, God has promised that we are going to return back to Babylon. Then he prays. And there is a time for us to pray. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We can come to the Lord in prayer today. If you have not yet been saved, today is the day for you to be saved. Today is the day for you to trust in Christ as your Savior. If you are a believer already, then today is the day for you to draw near to the Lord and pray to Him. Today is the day for you to get on your knees and pray before the Lord. To come to God and say, God, I want to be close to you. And I know that I need to draw close to you through prayer. We need to pray according to the scriptures. But God's word also says how we should pray. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verses number 12 and 13, right after the passage that we read, it says, Then shall ye call upon me. After the 70 years, you will call upon me. And ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. I will listen to you. I will respond to you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. God says to the people of Israel, at the end of 70 years, you will return to Babylon. I will be found of you if you pray to me with all your heart with everything that you have, with all of your being, not holding anything back. When you turn and look in Daniel chapter 9, verse number 3, look at how Daniel prays. He says, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications. 
with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. What is that telling you? Daniel is saying to the Lord, God, I'm praying with everything that I got. I'm praying to you every single way that I know how. I'm praying to you. I'm supplicating to you. I'm fasting. I'm in sackcloth. I'm in ashes. I'm giving it my all. And if we are to draw close to the Lord, we need to give it our all. We need to give our whole being to the Lord with all of our might and all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. We need to give it all to the Lord if we are to draw near to the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Continually be praying. Every time that we notice that we haven't prayed, just say a quick prayer again. And continue to pray. When you're lying in bed, pray. When you wake up in the morning, pray. When you're standing in line at the store, pray. When you have a dull moment at work, pray. Every single moment to pray to the Lord. And if we pray to the Lord with all of our heart, we can draw near to Him. But God's Word also says, what? What are we to pray for? And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. What was Daniel praying for? What did he go to the Lord praying for? He prayed that his people will be returned to their home. Why did he pray that they will be returned to their home? It's because in Jeremiah, he said, if you pray to me, then I will bring you back home. He was praying according to the scriptures in Daniel chapter 9, verse 16. In that passage further on, it says, O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, so that they could return back to their home city. He prayed exactly what God had told him to pray for because God had told him to pray for that. And he told him how that he should pray for that. And he told him when that he should pray for that. In verse 17, it says, Now therefore, O God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplication. There was a boldness that was in the heart of Daniel. There was a boldness and courage in God approaching the throne of heaven. And the boldness came not from an arrogance, but simply, God, you said this in your word. You told us to pray with all of our heart. You told us to pray for this. Therefore, hear the prayer of your servant because I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. And because he was doing exactly what he, what God had told Daniel to do, there was a boldness there. There was a confidence. There was a confidence that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I am praying what I'm supposed to be praying. God told me to pray for this. God told me this prayer would be answered. So he comes to the Lord and says, hear the prayer of thy servant. I know you will answer this prayer because you told me to pray for it. Verse 19 says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do defer not for thine own sake, O my God, for thy people and thy, or for thy city and for thy people are called by thy name. Say, so God, this is for you. This is for your name. This is for your city. 
I want you to be lifted up. God, this is for you. And God has told us what we need to be praying for. Matthew chapter 9, verse 38 says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. What should we pray for? What am I supposed to pray for in my life? Pray that there will be more laborers into the harvest. God told us to pray for that. Pray that more people will be involved in leading people to the Lord. More people will be involved in serving in the church. More people will be involved in the work of the Lord. Going out into the harvest field and laboring in the field. Pray for that. And if you pray for that, you can have confidence that God will answer it. Because He told us to pray for it. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 18 says, Pray for us. For we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live Honestly, it's hard to live for the Lord in this world when the whole world is against us, the prince of the power of the air is against us, our flesh is against us. Pray for us. Pray for other believers. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 1 says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Pray that the gospel would freely be able to be given out. What am I supposed to pray for? God tells you in His book. That's why you need to be familiar with His book. That's why you need to get into the Scriptures. That's why you need to be reading and understanding what it is that God has for us, what God has told us to pray for, and how we ought to pray, how we ought to live as well. We need to pray according to the Scriptures. We also need to pray acknowledging our sin. You need to pray acknowledging your sin. Verse number 4 in Daniel chapter 9. He says, and I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the, com- the covenant and the mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly. And have rebelled, even departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, who spake in thy name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. What he's saying is we knew what you told us to do. We knew what your law was. We knew what your word was. We knew what you wanted. And we decided that we didn't want it. And therefore you brought us to this place. The reason why that the world is in, the the situation that it's in, why there is sin is abounding and wickedness abounds is not because God is evil, it's because we have left God. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. He says, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to take you from your land. I didn't want to bring you to Babylon. I want you to have peace, but you have left me. And so it is also with us. For us to draw near to the Lord is to acknowledge that we are far from the Lord. To acknowledge that we're not so near to the Lord. To acknowledge that there is a gap between us, that there is a distance between us. And for us to pray to the Lord, acknowledging our sin is to acknowledge it is not God who has left us, it is us, we, who have left the Lord. It is we who have decided that we found something better than the Lord. It is us, we, who have decided that we found something that we found more pleasurable, more desirable, more profitable than the Lord. In Luke chapter 15, there is the parable of the prodigal son, 
For sake of time, I won't get into the, the verses and, all, all, uh, and, and, and everything, but just to summarize, basically, this young man, he wanted his inheritance before his father had died. He said God, uh, the, to, the, to his father, everything that you have for me, I want it now. I'm not waiting till after you pass away. I want it right now. And once he gets his inheritance, he leaves. He runs away and he lives a, what the Bible calls a riotous living. He's just living it up and having fun and spending his money and throwing it everywhere. At the end of it, he's gone, uh, left with no money. And a famine comes and he's there in the pig pen feeding the pigs. And he's thinking, what am I doing here? And he says, I will go back to my father and I will say, I have sinned. He's saying, it's my fault that I'm here. I was the one who did wrong. The gap between us is not because you pushed me away, it is because I have run away from you. And if we are going to draw near to the Lord, we need to acknowledge that we have sinned. That it is us who have run away from the Lord, us who have left God. Have you ever gotten into a big fight with somebody? A big argument. Doesn't matter what it is. Sometimes it's a simple thing. Sometimes it's something silly. Something really, really silly and something that doesn't make any sense to fight over. But you're fighting over it, is the point. You're getting a big fight and you're, you know, the volume is rising and the, mo- the emotions are rising and the name calling is getting worse and worse and more hurtful and more painful and it's, your emotions are getting more animated and, and, and it's just getting, wor- it's getting bad, real bad. And you're in this really big, deep, ugly argument. And for whatever reason, you just break it off. Okay, I'm, I'm leaving. Or let's not talk about this anymore. And you just leave. Let's say it's you and a friend. And, and uh, I don't know, you wanted to go to In-N-Out and he wanted to go somewhere else, right? And you this big argument, right? So you're fighting over this big thing and you leave. The next time you see each other, there's tension there, right? Because you remember suddenly all those names that were thrown at you. And you remember all of the hurt and the pain that was there. And when you come back, oh, you're standing there, but you're not close anymore, are you? There's something between you. And until the sin is acknowledged, there's a gap. And for us to come to the Lord is to say, I want to be close to you again. And the reason why we're not close is because I sinned and I did wrong. And we need to pray that in our prayers if we are going to draw close to the Lord. Number three, we see we need to be praying, awaiting God's supply. Verse number 16 says, O Lord, according to all thy judgments, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from the city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our Father, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. But in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10, he says, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work towards you in causing you to return to this place. Daniel, I'm sure this thought must have appeared in his mind. God, it's, it's 70 years. 
And now it's no longer Babylon. Another stronger foreign nation has conquered us. We're still not free. We're still as a part of a kingdom. How is this going to happen? They're just going to let us go back home? Why would they just suddenly just say, okay, you can all go home? But he said, God, you told us 70 years and we'll be back. And 70 years later, they went back. Daniel prayed for that. And he said, God, when the 70 years comes up, you said we'll be back. So I'm going to pray that we will be back. And he prayed in faith. Not knowing how it would happen, but he said, God, you said this in your word. You promised this to us. Therefore, I will pray for this. If we are going to draw near to the Lord, we need to have faith. And our prayers need to be prayers of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. When we began our Christian walk, it was through faith. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We need to pray to the Lord in faith if we want to draw closer to Him. You know what happens right after this? Right after Daniel prays this, you know what happens next chronologically? You know the books in the Old Testament, they're not placed chronologically, right? You know that they're kind of all scattered, grouped together according to something other than chronology. But you know what happens next? Ezra and Nehemiah, Haggai and Zechariah. What are those books about? It's about the people of Israel returning back to Jerusalem. God fulfilled his promise exactly as he said he would. And Daniel took up God at his word and said, God, you said this. You said to pray this way. You said that we were here because of our sin and I'm confessing my sin. And you promised that this would happen. So I'm going to pray that it's going to happen. I'm trusting that you're going to make this happen. And if we're going to draw near to the Lord, we need to be people of faith. Faith is really simply just, God, you said it, so I'm going to do it. I don't see how it's going to happen. I don't see why it's going to work. I may not even see in the end how all of this was put together. But God, you said that I need to do this, so I'm going to do it. And we need to push aside the logic that is contrary to the word of God if we are going to live by faith. You might say, logically, this doesn't make sense. But God, you said it, so I'm going to do it. That's what faith is. Faith is simply saying, God, you promised that this would happen. You told for me to do this, so I'm going to do it. If we are going to draw near to the Lord, we need to be praying people of faith.